It's my drive. It's my power. We stay hungry. We devour. I was really <laughs> hoping that like there would be a turn of take like we've, we've taken a bit of a break, obviously. And I was like, obviously, oh. I was like, oh, we'll come back. It'll be a, a lot more smooth. But uh, I was going to dive right into the rock. I was like, there's no way I'm letting people think otherwise. We stay hungry. We devour and take what's ours. He rhymes hour with, with hours. Yeah, I don't. I don't enjoy another. That what's uh, Bon Jovi? Uh, he rhymes back with back. <laughs> okay. With a Big six bon on my back, I play for keeps because I might not make it back. It's like, come on, Don. I feel like you're not doing any better than that. So, well, he could have been like, as Chris Pappas says. Fuck you, he's richer than you. Way richer than me. I wish I had... My life money. You wish you had living on a prayer... Bon Jovi? It's my my life. It's not one ever. I ain't gonna live forever. Literally never heard that song. Yes, you have. Also crazy that that was... No, that's what it's called, but you definitely know that song. You went, like, you went my life before living on a prayer. Uh, that's my favorite Bon Jovi song. So why don't you lick my balls? Interesting. Name one other jump Bon Jovi song. What's uh, what's the one is like love a bad name? Like you oh yeah give yeah yeah. Love. I don't know if it's called that or if it's called you give love I think a bad it's name. Called... Oh no, shot through the heart. Shot All right, because I don't believe you. It is shot through the heart. And you're too blame. It's not. It's not. It's called you give love a bad name. Parenthesis shot through the heart. No. I like when yo I I was I was listening to a lot of soul yesterday, and one of these songs was "No Pain, Comma Parentheses No Fame," and I was like, <laughs> "So it's like comma nothing." But like a weird parenthetical, yeah. Also listened yeah. to a song yesterday. I don't remember who sung it, but she said it was called "Don't Go Looking for Your Man," and in the hook, she's like, "Don't go looking for your man because you might find." Oh no! Don't go looking for my man. Because you might find your husband. And I was like, let's go. Wait, so she's trying to imply that she's like bagging all the husbands. Yeah. Husbands can't resist. <laughs> okay. We didn't come here to talk about the irresistible <laughs> husbands. Um, as you guys know, we have taken a little bit of a break. But welcome back. We are here on this beautiful yet cloudy Saturday morning. I am staring deeply into Alex's beautiful brown eyes. And uh, it's good to be back. That's what I'll say. Alex, if you had to sum up in like 12 seconds why we took such a long break, <laughs> give the people give the people just a taste. They want answers. They're upset, obviously. Um, I moved to Brooklyn and went off the deep end. <laughs> and tell us how floundering in the, the deep shark-infested waters has been. What does that mean, floundering? It's like floating around? Oh, it's like one of those. Um, Josh just did something incredible. Um, what do you want? It's been very fun. Moving to Brooklyn has been the best thing I've ever done. Uh, Except starting a podcast with your best friend. That's all I'm saying. That's true. That's true. Allow it. Making moves. Allow it. Allow it. All my days. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Venus. Okay, this is not a podcast anymore. This is just where me and Alex recreate our favorite TikTok sounds. That's what the podcast always was. Is it? Because I do feel like when we started, we were like somewhat anti TikTok. It is funny seeing the like well, the progression. I like vividly remember episodes where it's just like six minutes of us just being like, "Oh, you know what my favorite sound is? Oh no, it's actually this one." <laughs> well, I mean, you know, poisons the mind and whatnot. It does. It infects the brain. I'm a parasite. You know what else infects the brain? What? Fear. Fear's the mind killer, as I said. All my homies hate fear. All my homies hate fear. What are we talking about today, Josh? Wait, Josh, we, what if... Hang on. Well, <laughs> I said what I've been doing. I said well, what I've ahead. been doing in the past six months. What have you been doing? Nothing. I'm just lazy. Dripping out, rocking pearl chains and shit. Uh, not yet. Not yet. Uh, I don't know. I've been just trying to keep you in line. Just offering moral support and... Uh, you know, trying to manage the panoramic we're in right now that we need to end. And, uh, you know, catching some films like the ones we're going to discuss today. Listening to some music, like maybe some of the stuff I'll throw at Alex because we haven't talked in so long. 
I'd like the I'd like I wish the the listeners would believe that like the last time I talked to you was the last time we recorded a podcast. <laughs> like we haven't talked in like six months, and I don't know how you're doing, and I definitely haven't seen you in person. What's and the longest we've gone without talking? Probably like a day less. Like talking on the phone or texting, like communicating. Because if it's just communicating, then it's, it's it hasn't even been a day. Uh, I guess you're right. Yeah. We do like to keep in touch. We like to keep a correspondence. Except for when we don't. Except for when, yeah, we don't. Except for when we're in Italy. <laughs> Isn't it good to be back? We'll mark that down. You got to keep the uncut episode just so that um, I can enjoy it. I, was, I wasn't even going to mention Italy. Well, now you have to. Well, yeah, I went to Italy for almost two weeks and... It's a lovely little experience. I got Josh a lovely souvenir. I got myself a lovely souvenir. Yeah, um, it's a it's a penis. It's a little marble pipi. Yeah, pipi uh, from, from Pompeii. Um, a pipi from Pompeii. And yeah, it's Italy was incredible. Great food, great things to see. Best pasta you had? Where was it? And what type of pasta was it? Um, the best pasta I had, I'm not going to name, name the name of the restaurant because, oh, he's so bougie. He's like, I'm not going to name it. I'm keeping that close to my chest. Uh, either either the first or second best meal I've ever had. Um, and it was a five course pasta. Oh, you actually, you actually told me the name of the restaurant and I have it saved. They had a ravioli, an oversized ravioli with like this crazy sauce on it, uh, with avocado slices and pomegranate seeds. And it was the best singular bite I've ever had in my life. The flavors were off the chisane. Off the chisane. You heard it here first, folks. Go to Italy. Apparently, they have good pasta there. That's what I'm hearing. But once again, you know, we keep getting off topic. We did not come here to talk about Italy or pasta or Alex or anything. We came here to talk about, I think, two movies. And then maybe a, a light chit chat at the end about what else is going. A on. little fireside chat. A little fireside chat. Um, Alex, of the two movies we watched this weekend, which one would you like to start with? And I will say, I'll preface by saying both these are really, really huge movies for me personally, and I think Alex, you would agree. And so, one of these movies has like somewhat driven us out of retirement. So, wait, wait, what movie are you talking about? The movie so big, we had to come back and do a podcast about it. What? Which one? Which one? I didn't see any movies this weekend. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's unfortunate. What if I lied? It was you know, it's funny because you actually do that sometimes. That's the way this podcast used to be sometimes where I would be like, oh, we're going to talk about this. And you'd be like, what? What are we talking about? I didn't listen to it or watch it or anything. That's not you knew going in that like I was like, oh, I can't make this. Maybe and what? you've done the same thing. Uh, I think you're a little bit more of a culprit. Yeah, we'll say. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing anything wrong. Um, never have. Never will. So you want to talk about the thick boy first? Yeah, I want to talk about the thick boy. Let's well, talk about the thick boy. I'll say this then: Italy isn't the only place I went on vacation. Uh, I went to a little place called Arrakis. Bong. That's Hans Zimmer right there. Facts. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, and because you live under a rock or something, or live under a know, sand dune, live under a dune. Uh, dune dropped this weekend. Finally, long awaited. It feels like we've been waiting the whole fucking pandemic for this movie, and people have been just, you know, it's been pushed back. It's been pushed back. We've been waiting, 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 waiting. Finally, we get tickets. Is it really here? Yes, it is. And we saw it in IMAX. Alex, one sentence. Sum up Dune right now. Uh, it was awe-inspiring. Okay, I like it. I like it. I will say, if if Dune Dune is nothing if not visually stunning, like visually and technically stunning, like whether you care about the story or you like Timothy Chalamet or you hate Timothy Chalamet, it doesn't matter because if you got eyes and a couple of ears, you're gonna witness some of the greatest filmmaking ever. Like, not just in sci-fi, ever. Alex, would you agree with that? Yes, I would. I <clears throat> A lot of people were, like, tweeting about it afterwards, and it didn't really hit me until, like, thinking about it. But, I mean, in the moment, I was obviously like, this 
is looking yeah. incredible. But it really is like like you 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 are brought to another world. Like that's the magic yeah. movies. Like I was for two and a half hours, I was not on Earth. Right. I, and you I think you said that in your review that you're like Sometimes, and that's the beauty of movies in general, sometimes the best movies are the ones that kind of make you forget that they're movies, right? They makes you forget that someone's standing there with a camera or, you know, whatever. And because of that, in this movie, like you said, we feel like we're on Arrakis. You feel like you're in the dunes and the sand and the desert and you're out there with them. And it's just because everything is just so thoroughly detailed, I think. You know, down to the production design and set design, everything, like all the little details are so perfect, but also like you can tell that Denis was like, like he was in on it. There was no leeway like that he gave his team just like do whatever you want. Like it seems like he was like, I want this to be exactly this way. And luckily for us and for him, it was. I agree. I love, no, um, I, I love Dune. Dune's fire. I, I'm as do I. <laughs> I, I think I have more i think i have some not problems with it but like i I have one problem you you said when we spoke because we haven't spoken much about it when we talked six months ago yeah um you said it was a complicated five so i want to dive into that a little. yeah yeah so i i would argue i would posit that this is a perfectly made movie um, everybody from the actors to the crew to obviously the king at the top, Denis Villeneuve, is working at the top of their game. And truly, truly, it, it's it's amazing to see. That being said, when the movie ended, and I know for a fact after being on Twitter for a day that not that a lot of people felt the same way as I did, um, is that the second it ended, I was like, more, more now. Like I want more now. And like it's hard to get out of a movie that we've waited for for so, so long, a movie that's two, over two and a half hours long and literally be like, why is it over? Like, why can't it? Like, that doesn't happen often. And it tells two things. It speaks to the greatness of the movie, like how good it is that it flew by and that me and other people are tweeting, like, give me a six hour cut. I don't care. Like right now, fucking like put it on and whatever. So it speaks to how good, you know, how good the movie is that like it can fly by like that, but also just, you know, how well made it is and how badly we, you know, this could be a new, I'm mincing words here. I think that for a long time, people have been tired of like the Marvel Disney formula. I don't think that's news to anybody. And I think that the only thing that could come along and really kill it, whether this is going to be it or not, would be something that's really substantially good in the same genre. And so for us to get like a real sci what could be a real sci-fi powerhouse here um, and one of the greatest sci-fi stories ever put to film, like I think that that's something really special. And so I would urge everybody to go, even if you have to pay for the ticket, um, unless you, you know, don't feel safe. If you don't feel safe, then you are more than fine watching on HBO Max. But if you feel comfortable and you live in a place where you can do so, I would heavily, heavily recommend going to see it in IMAX. As Alex and I like to say, if you don't see it in IMAX, you're missing part of the movie. It cuts off part of the screen and you're not seeing everything that we're seeing. You're not seeing Arrakis in all its glory. I'm not an IMAX commercial. I don't think I've ever said that before. You have. You were the one who told me that. You were like, if you don't go see it in an IMAX, you're a bum. You were telling me for Avengers Endgame. And then when I told you I was going to go see a movie in Prime, you were like, no, IMAX dog. It was filmed in IMAX. IMAX theaters are just the coolest. But I'm just saying, you don't understand that Prime theaters are literally an IMAX theater with better seats. That's it. That's the really only difference. No, it's not about them shaking. It's about them reclining and me not having to step on people like I did for Dune. Because when I got there and the movie had started, I was the middle seat. Because you know me. I book early. I'm the uh, middle seat. Were, uh, we I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, I am so sorry. I make fun of those people. I made fun of them yesterday. I make fun of those people too. And it's usually not me. But I, Alex can attest to this. I really thought I was going to run out of gas on the highway. I thought I've never thought – I've never been closer to like – you are going to run out of spice. Let the spice flow. My dune. What was your what was your favorite aspect of Dune now? Um Oh, you know what? I will and like I have a couple questions for you. I'll say this. The like obviously we could talk about like Greg Frazier's cinematography, the score. There was one point in, right in the beginning of the movie when uh-huh. it, was showing, it wasn't even that. It was showing like it starts like it's the black screen and then it says uh uh, dreams are messages from the deep and then like it, it shows like the warner brothers logo and then like it's just like this like 
like this crazy drum thing. And I put my head in my hands and was like, audibly, I'm not ready for this. And like, I just couldn't, I was like, y'all, we're going to be in for something special. So like looking past all that one thing, there's two things I actually, I'm going to mention right now. Cause I forgot to mention them anywhere else. Um, I thought the, I read the book. Let me just preface that. I didn't like the book. Um, but the way they brought some things to life from the book was incredible. And the two things that I adored most was the voice. It was just a very visceral way of showing how powerful the voice is. For um, sure. And I also adored the hand-to-hand combat because that's a big thing in the book. And I could never really visualize it properly, especially with how like the, the shields work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And seeing like the intensely fast paced slashing, but like the slowing down to breach the shield is just like a, it's a visual pleasure. Like it was every time when it, I won't say like anything about it, but like when you see something like a projectile going into the shield and slowly blocking it was just like, this is such a cool battle. It's a cool concept that's executed really well. Incredibly and I think, well. and to say it, to touch on like what you said about the hand to hand combat, like, I don't know if this is like more because I have like a background in martial arts or what, but I think that I oftentimes notice, especially when it's bad, when like the hand to hand fighting choreography is like not good, especially in a lot of Marvel movies. It's like really subpar. I don't mean to keep shitting on them, but like that's the standard here for most people. So, and it's like, but in this movie, like you said, it's not, there's not a ton of it, but what's there is really, really well done. Very fast. And you, yeah, it's fast paced and you feel the intensity of it, especially like, we're not talking spoilers, but in that last part, like you really, you feel the gravity of it because it's so well done. And I agree that everything done with the, um, the shields and the force fields, it was all, you know, obviously Denis is a visual masterpiece and clearly his brain works unlike anyone else's because I think that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong or pile on if you want to, but I think that the big thing about Dune was it was the movie that everybody said that it couldn't be adapted. It was too dense and complex and the concepts wouldn't lend themselves well to the visual retelling of the story. But I think that Denis Villeneuve proved everyone wrong. And, yeah, uh, I haven't, I haven't seen the Lynch one. Um, I would like to, and I know that like studio interference had a lot to do with his like negative thoughts on the movie. Um, I mean, Dune is a, it's not an easy book to get through. It's very just dense and packed. And I think that, like reading the book was a very confusing and almost like it was a chore to get through that book. And I was very worried. Like I'm like 40 minutes into the film. I I was genuinely like in my head. I was like, I don't know if I like this or not. Like visually, obviously. Yes. But like, like the story was the veil wore off where I was like, I don't know if I like what's happening right now, but I think by the end of it, it, my thoughts change and I still have some problems with the story that we can get into. But I think that for the most part, like it nails what Dune sets out to achieve. I think it gets rid of the subtext a bit more. Um, but I don't know if part two will, will dive into that more or if Denis, I mean, Denis is not one to silver spoon everything. So if, if he's just keeping that, below the surface like intentionally which i don't doubt I, like it's not a problem um i just think that he like you said like i think he did a very good job at adapting something that is not easily adaptable by any means like that is a thick dense book to get through um for sure I and i like what you said it. about we'll go ahead do you have something else no 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 nothing oh i, I just lost my thought so we're gonna keep moving forward but you uh like how i said Oh, I like how you said you, – well, you were talking about how he doesn't like to spoon feed people. And we talk about this all the time on the show and in person because you're a big proponent of like general audiences like to have the answers spoon fed to them. And I can't lie. Sometimes I do too, but not with things like this. And so I think that he did a really good job of balancing like – because like you said, you know, Dune is really dense and there's all these words that you don't know. and Yeah, like all these fucking words that sound like they're from a language you've never heard of and – you know, all these technological advancements and things we don't know. And and the movie moves pretty quick. It, it stops to tell you about a couple of things. But for the most part, it's a lot of visual storytelling and a lot of like 
learning by doing for i think a really good example of that is the force fields like it's never really explained to us how they work you just kind of see it happen Mm -hmm. and i think that ends up being a really really cool sequence because of it and i think that a lot of people hopefully will realize that you know audiences are smarter than we give them credit for yeah the world building in this is is very very special i think definitely i just here's my only thing i don't understand how any executive at Warner Brothers watched Dune and didn't immediately make a phone call to greenlight the second one. Like, well, I don't understand that. Again. Like, whether you like the movie or not. And I know a lot of it's based on numbers and money and how much money it'll make at the box office. But, like, I mean, it made its budget back, almost. Again, a part two is coming. I know, but I need it now. Like, I don't need it four years from now with Timothy Chalamet is fucking 40. I don't need that. Villain, he did say that, um, like, he was like, I could not have done the second part immediately after. Oh, I bet it was a grueling shoot. He's like, he said, I being think, in the desert think, like that. I think the quote was like, um, like, part two will be better for the break. Okay. I mean, Which, I trust him. I'll say this, like, a big problem, not a big problem. I, have, I mean, but like, in my opinion, because I know some people think otherwise, this is an incomplete movie. It literally does not have an ending. And correct. I just think that I thought the movie was going to end a little bit farther into the book. And I, I don't want, I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, but I think it, I thought it was going to end like a slight jump further. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. But I, I think part two is just going to be, non-stop it's gonna be a lot so i i get it in a way well i'm excited and i'm very fascinated to see how he handles it because like it's oh man yeah i'm excited it's gonna be great i'm excited i like i said my only problem is i don't want to wait five years for it so we'll figure it out we'll get there and uh we'll move forward so what are you giving do now oh you said uh, you had some questions for me i thought i asked you one of them Oh. Or maybe I didn't. I don't know. I had some. Well, I'm not done talking about Dune yet. Okay. Well, what do you want to say about Dune? Who was your favorite character? Uh, I think this is a popular answer. I mean, obviously Timothy Chalamet, very biased. Um, but I think that the popular answer is going to be Duncan Idaho, played excellently by Jason Momoa. Like, I think he, like, I haven't even read the book, and I know that that was perfect casting. Like, he is just so charismatic and awesome, and. He just brings a lot of warmth to this, like, ultimately very cold story, I think. And uh, I really appreciated that for sure. He was very good. I agree. Um, what about you? I also, like Oscar Pavel- Isaac is daddy, um, in case you're wondering. Uh, <laughs> no, he is really good in it. Um, yeah, he's great. I loved Javier Bardem. I, yeah. well, I was, he's a very good Stilgar. Uh, Everyone was good. Stellan Skarsgård was great. No, yeah, he's, I, I said it when we saw it, like, I remember when they were announcing the castings, like week by week or whatever, when they cast, like I was obviously excited nevertheless, but when they cast Stellan Skarsgård is when I went, this is going to be the movie. Because that is such a perfect, like so, so good. And it was as menacing and creepy and just like disgusting as it needed to be. Super gross. It made me think of another CGI villain role. I guess sort of villain role. And I was like trying to put my finger. I was like, what is it? What is it that I keep thinking of? And it's Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, I haven't seen this movie in so long. I, it's like the third one, I think. Either the third or the fourth one. But he plays like Bill Bootstrap, I think is his name. I'm trying to remember how he's like even really. Relate- yeah, I think so. I'm trying to remember how he's even fucking related to this movie. Maybe. I have no idea. But. He's really good in it. And I was like, it's great to see Stellan Skarsgård doing some great CGI villain work. And I was like, this is awesome. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, I think that the whole cast crushed it. I think that it's not a question that everybody involved in this production was at like working at their fucking top level. And uh, it really shows. It really shows. So I don't know about you, but I'm going again, I think, on Tuesday is the plan. I'm going to fucking cancel it to go see the movie I saw yesterday again and stuff. I'm going to go find a day for it. I just need more A-list reservations. It's cool. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's so fucking funny. I do want to re-listen to the score. It, it's like, 
out of context, it is kind of funny, but like it's really, really Yo, well done, and and it is really unlike anything that Hans Zimmer has ever done before. The the guttural like chanting from the Sada car. Oh, anything Incredible. that is the fucking like Tibetan throat singing ass bitch. Oh. It was it was amazing. Like yeah, it was cool. There's there's some sounds. The in sound this design movie. is incredible. It, it well. shook me to my core. Yeah, and I I also I I have been known to say this, but any score that involves any sort of like chanting, whether it be like oh like duel the fates type shit or like or like more like what we were just singing from Dune, like I'm so in for that. It's something about it just gets me going. I don't know no, what it's it is. Amazing. It's amazing. Ah, Dune's a good movie, man. I'm excited. And I, like I said before, reiterate. What? Who knew that movies can be good sometimes? Seriously. Well, I said, after seeing Bond two weeks ago, this was my... Which banged, yes, for the record. I I think this was my most anticipated of the year. So with this out of the way, it's like with with the exception of like a few indie movies that I'm just dying to see uh like this is the blockbuster of the year so i would really encourage you if you're waiting for one to see this year like make it this i think it's gonna be my whole timeline's talking about it i think culturally like it's gonna make an impact we're probably gonna see some dumb fucking skit on snl tonight about it i'd imagine i'm trying to think of who oh jason sudeikis is gonna play paul atreides who's gonna be fucking awesome who's gonna be the worm fuck it i was about to say something bad um I don't know who's gonna play the worm. Colin Jost. Let Colin Jost play the worm. Kyle Mooney. Kyle Mooney. Why Kyle Mooney? Who is he your favorite? No, he just. So I don't, I don't really watch SNL anymore. I know it sounds like I do, but I actually I watched two episodes this season already. Um, one I watched because there are these kids that like do these skits on the internet. I think they yeah. start on TikTok. You like, know what I'm talking please, about? Please destroy me or whatever. Or don't. Yeah, don't. yeah, whatever. And they got signed to write for SNL, which is amazing. And uh, I will say though, I saw someone say this. I I watched their seltzer skit, and I thought it was really funny. And yeah, I, saw it was. Another, I saw another one by them. I forget what it was, but uh, someone was like, "Oh, so they're just trying to replicate." SNL's just trying to replicate. I think you should leave. And I was like, "For sure they are. For sure uh, they are." And we can, listen. We can talk about SNL if you want to. But what I was gonna say was is that I think that like there are they are taking slightly more chances with their writing. It does attempt to be like a little bit more ironic, I think, and like weird and out there, which is very much like. Here's the thing, and I, oh, I'll just say I've watched like two episodes: Owen Wilson and Kim Kardashian. If you didn't like the Kim Kardashian episode, you're taking it out because I thought it was really funny, actually. Um, but my point is, is that yeah, SNL they are trying to be the premier skit show, but very obviously there's a lot more discourse about i think you should leave it's leaving a much bigger impact because it's so fresh and it's so new and it just feels it's great let it's hilarious. Tim robinson host snl if you guys seriously bro if you guys have not seen i think you should leave go check it out on netflix right now because it's one of the funniest shows ever and clearly like alex said netflix is reeling to try to be more like these guys if you don't know the story behind this tim robinson the guy who started his show i think you should leave used to be on SNL and used to write for SNL and they didn't like him. They fired him because they were like, what is this random ass shit you keep coming up with? We don't like it. And now he's doing this unhinged show and it's so fucking funny that you guys need to check it out. And then, like I said, similarly, I'll give you an analogy here. Similarly to the way that, and this is not going to make sense to you, Alex, and it barely makes sense to me, but um, the WWE right now, long time, like they're the guys wrestling. It's going to make sense. Long time they're the wrestling. They're the guys. Because of that, there's been a drop in quality, I understand, for because there's been no pressure on them. And now that there's this new show, AEW, um, that's big and huge and that people like, it's putting the pressure back on WWE to do is better. It, hasn't AEW always been a thing? I don't think so. I don't really e- know. Is that ECW? ECW is okay, that's But anyways, similarly with SNL, SNL has been around for a really long time. There hasn't really been a lot of pressure from any other skit shows to do better. And now that people are talking about other sketch shows – it's important that they step their fucking game not, up. Not to dive into an SNL rabbit hole, but, but totally I, dove into an SNL rabbit me hole. Me and Nico were watching. Like he was showing me a couple of older ones because we were talking a lot about Norm Macdonald. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Celebrity Jeopardy where Ben Stiller is Tom Cruise? Uh, maybe I don't it's know. I bet it's the, great. It's one He's of hilarious. the best impressions I've ever seen. We'll have to, we'll have <laughs> Yo, it's so we'll have to tweet it out. It's it's probably amazing. 
It's not. Ben Stiller was great. And speaking of Ben Stiller, who is at the Knicks game yesterday, we're going to shout out the Knicks, baby. 2-0, undefeated on the season. Julius Randle MVP. Keep that going in the background. Julius Randle MVP. Emmanuel going crazy. Obi Toppin crazy. You can't stop us. It's a hard train. Friday night Knicks on MSG. Got a front row seat. That's what I'm talking about, baby. It's amazing. Shout out Side Talk NYC. Shout out Side Talk NYC, but also shout out the Knicks because if you're a Knicks fan like me and you've been waiting a really long time, the moment is here, people. New York, we here. And uh, the bandwagoners, if you didn't love me at my Quincy AC, Jose Calderon, Andrea Bargnani era, don't love me now. That's all I have to say to you. Alex, let's move forward. But before we do, put a rating on Dune for me. (laughs) Before we do, here's a word from our sponsors. Well, yeah, you joke, but that's how most podcasts are. But me and Alex, we're not sellouts like that, all right? <laughs> I'll sell it for a Please, month. please sponsor us, um, please. I'm giving Dune a four and a half. Okay, I like that. I think that on a rewatch, I think I will lower it to a four and a half for two reasons. And I told you one of them already. Because right now I have a sitting at a five. And I think that that's really just based off my initial visceral, visceral and like reaction to it. Like I left the theater. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is it right here. Like nothing made this year compares in terms of scale, in terms of just like how well it was like visualized and how well the vision was carried through. I was like, nothing's topping that. But I do, like I said, it was a complicated five because I do feel like there's a lot missing. And as a standalone movie, I don't think it really holds up as well. Um, it re- Like if you don't – like. We should talk about this because you're upset about it. But people are comparing it a lot to Star Wars, which I don't really like. I think that people naturally will compare new sci-fi to the most popular sci-fi of all time. So naturally, the comparisons are going to happen there. And it is, at the end of the day, like a similar story of good versus evil. Um, But obviously, they're very, very different. And I just think that, like, I don't know. I think that it could have, like... I don't find myself wanting to go rewatch Dune because I was like, oh, this story was really fun and I want to re-experience it like over and over again. Like I want to go back and marvel at how beautifully it's made and like sit there. So for that reason alone, I think I probably will drop it down to a four and a half. The other reason being is that way I can reshuffle my top three of the year and reinstate Teton as the best movie of the year because oh, it's no, fucking I, crazy, y'all. If you haven't seen Teton, go see that shit. I still think this is like this is my number one. It's better than Teton do, but like um, that I, was a, a movie I enjoyed a little bit more. I, I almost put well the Green Knights up there too. I love the Green Knight. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I was like, I might put that before Dune because I think that. I just in like the characters. But see, if you want to draw that comparison, like I will say, like well, no, I'm not comparing. I'm just talking about ranking, like a personal ranking. Nothing like, as just, fatty, nothing as fatty and extraneous as Zack Snyder's Justice League could ever be at the top of my list. Sorry. I'll see it. <laughs> There's like two extra hours of that movie that don't need to be there. I think. Al. Al. I no, love every no, single no. bit of character. I'll tell you what, if, if they had made a really good original version of Justice League, like Zack Snyder's Justice League and his vision, that was like two hours long, and then they released like a four-hour director's cut, like I would have appreciated it a lot more. But nope, a big swing and a miss. Last thing I want to say about Dune. Last thing I want to say about Dune. Um, just to air this out, because we talked about this a little bit, and I know, how you, I know you have some thoughts. Um, you've seen people relating it to Lord of the, Lord of the Rings. And I know that that hits you, cuts you deep. Because, I'm just going to say this. Yeah, say this. Tell the people what you know. In terms of all these comparisons, like, shout out Connor. He was like, it's a mix of Avatar, Star Wars. and You're saying shout out Connor, even though you're about to clown him. Yeah, he and like one other movie. And I, It I was, was Avatar, Star Wars, and Lord of the Rings. No, I don't think it was. I think it was, bro. Regardless, I was like, none of the above. Because I think in terms of scale, obviously, like you said, people are going to compare it to the big two Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. Um, but I think that's a one. I think D- Dune is very much the antithesis of both of Game those. of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I think Dune, that's the most reasonable. Of yeah, I agree. Actually, that is a good, a good comparison. Um, but in terms of scale, obviously they're comparable. Although Dune still blows 
at least Star Wars out of the water. Let me they have hugely, that. hugely different goals as franchise. Yeah, no, Dune is an antithesis to like like Star Wars. And I agree with is a warm family story, and like Agreed. family is at the core of Dune. But I would not call this movie. But it's coming warm. from a completely different perspective of like coldness and it's like just, searching yeah, for like, something in like the barren desert of loneliness. And there's nothing wrong. Like I love it, but like it's yeah. A, it's, it's more compelling, I think, but it's it's like not as feel good or quote unquote enjoyable maybe as like a new hope. The comparisons the comparisons are a disservice not only to Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and whatever you're comparing it to, but it's also a do? disservice to Dune because at the end of the day, this story was written not before Lord of the Rings, but years before Star Wars. I will say as a movie, like this movie is amazing, so don't twist what I'm about to say. But I do think that Star Wars was potentially more groundbreaking at the time than Dune was today in 2021. Um, like, we saw some crazy shit, like, visually in this that, like, I think some pretty mind-blowing stuff. But, like, in like when Star Wars came out, dude, people were probably shitting their pants. Well, like, one would imagine. hope, one would hope that a movie like Dune could completely, like, re- contextualize hollywood and break the status quo and i, don't I think it will to some happen. extent oh see i don't see that happening. to some extent not at the not at the scale that you're talking about like i don't like, i just star wars did that you know i'm what I mean? sitting here hoping against hope that like this will encourage people like we saw early reactions already some i saw maybe a couple for the eternals that already say it's like relatively uninspired and yeah, I don't know what the deal is, but I was like, am I really seeing spoilers for the Eternal no, for my timeline? I think it's like a joke. I don't know what I hope. I, when I looked up who Kingo was, I was so mad. I was like, if you guys just spoil the Eternals for me, I'll fucking kill you. Um, anyways, that people seen reports of people saying that like the Eternals is like somewhat uninspired and like that Chloe Zhao's vision is missing. Um, I think it was Matt Neglia who said that. I'll give him some credit. Um, yeah, and I think that this movie really proves that like with the humongous budget with the insane cast and the crazy star power, it's still possible if given the chance by the studios to maintain your, your directorial integrity and your artistic vision and do something that's not necessarily made for the masses and made for the popcorn eaters, but it's made for the, the true fans, like fans of the book. Cause I think that there were a lot of people there who were like fans of the book. And then a lot of young people who are like looking for something new, something more gripping than fucking black widow. Like, I don't know. Also, just so you know, uh, how much do you think black widow cost? I, I know it. I know what you're about to say. I think it made probably about a hundred mil or something like that. I don't know the exact no, 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 I mean, how much it, it cost, cost about a hundred mil or no, maybe about like 200 mil. It was 200. Yeah. And uh, Dune cost 165. No, and it's <laughs> so crazy. Like, how, how... It proves more than anything that you cannot throw money at a trash fire to make it a good movie. That is not going to work. And we are proving that as Disney is out here floundering, dropping fucking trash movies like Black Widow. Like we are out here. Like the biggest cultural impact of Black Widow will be the lawsuit for, that Scarlett Johansson had from it. That is yeah. what people will remember about that movie more than anything. Whereas this movie, Dune, is not only extremely memorable, but it's also impactful, I think. And I think that the whole st- this story will find a new home in, in a major part of the zeitgeist, the culture. Like, the you know, zeitgeist. it's a great word. Let's yeah. talk about. I don't. What is this? What is, what is this little a Z? I mean, I get it. I've just never seen you do that. Z for Zencaster. Um, also, I'll give a shout. You want to do a little plug? We'll do a little plug. I'm going to look up the name. We have a couple of friends who uh, reached out to me um, asking about, you know, how to get started doing a podcast and, you know, what what goes into that and a little bit of oh, answers. Well, we also have to shout out the, the people. We'll do that at the end, actually. Can I finish this first? Okay. Yes, we will make some shout outs. This is the last back half of the show is going to be all shout outs. Um, I have to shout out the Giants Elite Podcast, Giants underscore E-L-I-T-E. If you were a Giants fan, this is the spot, all right? I'm not a huge sports cat, sports podcast guy, admittedly. I do not listen to a lot of these, but if I was going to listen to one, this would be it. It's started by our good friends Evan and Jeremy, and uh, they're good kids, and you guys should go give it a listen. That's facts. That's facts. Um, moving forward. Uh, is, that our, is that our corporate sponsor? <laughs> that's our corporate sponsor, baby. And they, you know what? The, they probably won't even hear it. But <laughs> um, 
basically, we got one more movie to talk about, and then I'm going to throw in some random things at the end, because as you guys know, we haven't talked in a really long time. So I'm going to tell you what's up, what we've been watching, and you know how life's going. Um, But let's talk about maybe my third most anticipated movie of the year, Um, which we also got out of the way. It is none other than Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. Uh, This is the newest from Wes Anderson. If you guys know me, you know I absolutely adore Wes Anderson. He's maybe my favorite director ever. Alex is holding up this sick-ass pin they gave him at AMC Lincoln Square. Shout out AMC. Shout out Lincoln Square. The song's block. And... um, Basically, if you don't know what this movie is, it's like I said, the newest from Wes Anderson. It is a love letter to journalism about a four stories about different reporters that work for a newspaper um, in France that dispatches in Kansas. So, Alex, what do you think of the French Dispatch? I was overwhelmed by the French Dispatch, but in typical Wes Anderson fashion, I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah. I'm a sucker for him. He, his, it's, it's just like a true, this is a good example of like, obviously we're always looking for, for like new things in, in film. And like, I always want to see like the boundaries be pushed and I just like like fresh inventive stuff. Let me not say that actually. I like seeing fresh takes often, Yeah, but something about Wes Anderson, cause I don't want to imply that I don't think Wes Anderson is inventive. Anytime I get he a Wes, is, he movie. isn't though. He isn't. He isn't. But like anytime I see a Wes Anderson movie, I think I I wrote like I'm very proud of my letterbox review of French Dispatch that I threw together quickly. But I think it's like it's just an irresistible charm. I agree. I agree. So one thing I'll say about Wes Anderson is I love, love, love Wes Anderson. Hate the words I have to use to describe his movies. Like the amount of whimsy, bro. The amount of whimsy is like really off the charts. It's crazy. And I will say like. While it's not wholly the most inventive movie of all time, Wes Anderson does use things we've seen before in ways like he repurposes things and he's really, really creative. And I've never, maybe never seen anybody use physical set pieces the way he did in this movie, like the production design. And this is, you could copy and paste his review for probably any Wes Anderson movie, but like the set design, bro, is absolutely insane. Like visually, every little detail of this movie. Like we saw two movies that I hope both get nominated for best production design. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it either. They both have like crazy visual minds, and they can just see like things that we can't as normal humans. And thank God he has the God given ability to put it on screen so we can actually enjoy it because. Like you said, I was just overwhelmed. I had the biggest smile on my face from like the entire time because Wes Anderson makes movies that make me feel like a child, but the movies are for adults. And this was the most adult Wes Anderson movie I think he's made so far. Like it really dealt dealt with some mature themes and like there are certain parts where he gets really deep and like reflective and retrospective, which is like I think some of his other movies, while they have those moments, he tries to kind of keep them lighter in sort of an offbeat kind of tone. And this one like really got into the shits, I thought. And I, I really appreciated it for that because the balance of like the – like I'll, I'll even throw out like the, the Timothy Chalamet uh, segment of this. Like they're talking about revolution and war and like suicide and sadness and like a lot of like – but like it's all done in such a – hate this word – whimsical way that you're like, yes, please, more. Like if you're going to edit it out, like I want to talk a spoiler real quick. But I guess I won't. The end of the Timothy Chalamet one. Like, oh, amazing. Sad, though. But oh, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, 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 it doesn't matter because you're like, this. Like, I still felt, like, happy about it at the end. You know what yeah, I mean? A lot of people said that, like, I saw a common criticism that because it's short. I haven't seen like, any reactions. Oh, no. I've seen a couple that because it's anthologies that, like, the emotional – payoff isn't great for them but i i wholeheartedly oh, I disagree, disagree wholeheartedly yeah, no i think yeah. all of them like the ones that went for like an emotional i think they're carried by different they're carried by different things like if you like the first one's obviously kind of a free pass but the second one i think is like it's a deeply it's an emotional story about like this guy and from what i understand like a couple of these characters are based off of real people um i can imagine i mean the whole mo- like Shout out to James Baldwin. Shout out at the end. Well, I was going to say, J- Jeffrey Wright's character is loosely based off of James Baldwin. I totally. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So. 
Um, I think all <laughs> these like live for that face, Al. That's why we started a podcast. Thank God. All, all these skits, not skits. All these segments. Yeah. Just have to do with, you know, like the 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 life as an artist, in not and not necessarily like artist as in painting, but writing as a as a writer more specifically yeah the life of somebody who has to filter life through their own lens and put it out for other people and i think that like that like coming from wes anderson and like this very clearly being like a love letter to his favorite writers and artists i think that it's impossible for this movie to not resonate emotionally on some level and i think that i would say that like this is maybe his at least in my opinion his most thematically dense movie yet also visually yeah, I you can argue like, i think you could totally argue that and and it almost feels weird because like he doesn't have the largest like filmography like there aren't that many wes anderson movies but it does feel like this one kind of broke new ground on like what you know just like i was really really impressed with the script i was like every every aspect of the filmmaking i was like this is what we've expected, what we've seen from Wes Anderson, what we know he can do, and it's at its best. It's at the top level. But on top of that, like you said, the writing is really, really, really good. And you can tell that like I would almost argue that this is one of his more transparently personal stories. Like I'm sure his other movies pull from his own, like his life and things like that. But this one you could really, really tell that there's certain people he admires, um, that he kind of presented at the end of the movie to us as like an ode to them. You can tell there's people he really admires and is inspired by both by their process and their legacy. And you can kind of tell that he's got these like ruminations almost on, on how art is perceived in all of its forms, whether it's writing for pleasure or a manifesto or a painting or food or whatever it is, you know? So I, and I think that the fact that he's able to do something like that in a movie that's still so damn entertaining, like at the end of the day, you don't even need to get any of the subtext from it. If you don't, gather and if you don't even know who wes anderson is and you don't care and it just showed you the movie you'd still really like it i think because it's really really good and it's entertaining like the story like in the last one i that's why part of why i want to rewatch it i was almost so caught up in like the storyline of the of the jeffrey wright segment that like i i wasn't like i don't even remember a ton of like what he was talking about because i was like he's so almost in the background and i do think that speaks to like journalistically like being in the back and like what it means to be a journalist, like picking your moments, knowing when to comment and things like that. And I just thought it was really, really well executed. And like I said, I'm, I'm definitely going to go see it again. Uh, I had a smile on my face for the entire time. And I just praise the day that we get another Wes Anderson. It's great. It's coming soon. I know he works so hard. He's like hardest working man in the game and the cast is only going to grow. Um, Alex, who was your favorite newcomer? Cause we got all the West. An- oh, I'll ask you both. Who was your favorite returning Wes Anderson regular? And who was your favorite newcomer? Uh, I told you yesterday, Adrian Brody was so good in this movie. So that's your, that's your returning regular. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it's not my, I'm not, I don't even, when I saw that skit, I was literally like, thank God. Cause he's good in grand Budapest hotel, but I was like, he is great. Here I mean, and I was like, they great get... in uh, Darjeeling. Yeah, he was. I love that movie. People don't talk about that movie. I was talking about it the other day. Most people haven't seen it. I would say that's his most underrated movie. Hundred percent, I think so. Because it's a lot fantastic. of people count it out, and they there's only like one aspect of that movie that I don't love, and it's actually like the Jason Schwartzman like love line storyline. Uh, it's, uh, it's a little dicey. At that. I also like Jason Schwartzman. He's not in the I love movie Jason much, Schwartzman. But... I, I, okay, something really cool. If you ever want to know what people think about a director, go look at like a movie like this where there's so many A-list actors and the one that's coming to mind right now is Elizabeth Moss. Like, she is an A-list actress who does not have a history of working with Wes Anderson who agreed to take this part that probably has two lines and a total of three minutes of screen time. And I'm fucking here for it. Like, it's where else can you find a director where, and, and Tarantino comes to mind, but even he can't pull this off in such a way. Like, where every little, like, cameo, like, every person is somebody. It's a familiar face. And there's something that, like, elevates the movie. Like, sure, you could argue it's a gimmick, but, like, there's something about, like, Christoph Waltz is a big one. Like, when I saw yeah, Christoph I didn't Waltz, realize he was I, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, what are you doing here, man? Like, this is awesome. And uh, it just brings a smile to your face. And it, But it's not done cheaply because these are all A-list actors who are all throwing their everything into this two-minute role. It's incredible. And so 
that's your favorite returning regular. Who's your favorite newcomer? Uh, I really Jeffrey Wright was like his was my favorite story probably. So I want to give it to him and like obviously I got to shout out Timmy. Got to shout out Timmy. I'm trying to think of who else is uh anyone off the top of my. I mean Javier Bardem was great. Um, Benicio, Benicio del, Toro. del Toro was great. Yes, he fucking was. Dude, I thought he he oh, might no, have he been. He was in Fantastic Mr. Fox. He was. He was. That's true. That's true. He was great in this, though. He was really, really great in this. I will say, I think he's my favorite returning regular. Like, his that segment, I thought, was so, so well executed um, and, and truly just the most entertaining in Wes Anderson fashion. Like, I was like, this is perfect. I could watch a hundred of these. These are awesome. And um, so he's my pick for that. But then I'll say for obviously newcomers, you know who it is. It's the boy, Timothy Chalamet. It's like this kid is like, regardless of how you feel about him, he's an amazing actor. And it almost seems like he's too good at everything. Like he's too good at being in Wes Anderson movies. I don't see a scenario in which Wes Anderson doesn't put him in literally every movie he makes forever. Like, and I could not be happier, honestly. I also really like Tilda Swinton in this one. Tilda Swinton was so good. I felt like I was the only one laughing in my theater. Like I was giving these like ch- like these like. <laughs> oh no! There, <laughs> like, are, there are a couple of people. Laughing. You know, yeah, no, there are a couple of people laughing towards the end of it, but it took people some time to like loosen up. I think, and she was killing me, bro. Oh, I was, was laughing kill- like from from when they show the the dude bringing the food. Like the drinks up to yeah. the dispatch office, and like you see him go like down the stairs and climb up the ladder. I was like yeah, yeah. audibly chuckling. No, it's funny. The visual gags are perfect, and like there's not. It's like it, like there's not a lot of people like Wes Anderson doing it like that anymore. And it, it is the word I keep coming back to. It's whimsical. It's like it reminds you of like the old like black and white movies, like fucking like shit like that. That's just not done anymore. And he's like got this style that. Like when you think of directorial style, I think the first person that comes to mind, there's actually two, which is kind of funny. But I think of Edgar Wright, who, if you guys aren't ready, Last Night in Soho coming out next week. Go check it out. But uh, and, and Wes Anderson, because there's truly no like such a defined style where you could see two minutes less, 30 seconds of any Wes Anderson movie and know exactly who made it. And like, I think there's something deeply special about that, whether you fuck with his vision or not, like. You have to respect it. Like, I think it really comes down to, like, the whole people being able to say, I appreciate the greatness of this, but it's not for me. Like, that's cool. That's totally valid complaint on Wes Anderson. But don't ever try to tell me that it's bad. I will not stand for that. He's a king. Yeah, he is. He is. He's amazing. What are you giving the French Dispatch? I gave it a four. I give it a four and a half. But I think I might leave the four and a half for the rewatch but i'm also severely biased i love wes anderson i often say he's my favorite director um and i just don't know that i'll have more fun watching any movie this year even bond like i like i just don't know that any movie will put such a smile on my face so that's that uh i want to before we get out of here talk about i've just been watching so much tv and we haven't had a chance to talk about any of it but i want to like we really got to limit this like two minute like speed rounds. But let's talk about Ted Lasso. You didn't finish Ted Lasso. Never mind. Let's not. I can't talk about Ted Lasso then either. I don't even know what I've seen that you can see. I'm just going to tell you all the things I've been watching now. And then we'll see where we go from there. You got to watch Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, from what I've seen, I'm like halfway through season two. Thumbs up. I've seen the whole season. I'll tell you people, it's very good. Um, I do think that you should be wary of people who call it the greatest show of all time. Because I'm not sure that it is that. But it is wildly entertaining every week i i am always people like when's that? that what what you say people say that yeah i think that was a, a reason why a lot of people don't like ted lasso is because of so many people who called it like the funniest show ever made and it is funny it's good but people have crazy wild takes and uh i'm watching that but you want to talk about a show that's actually possibly the funniest show on television bar none is what we do in the shadows I'll tell you, man. I told you last night. I just watched the ninth episode of the second, third season, and it, they're really like the writing on this show is unbelievably I didn't funny. Know it was three seasons. This is the third season, and the character work is amazing. I'm gonna look it up because he deserves recognition, and I will look up the name of the dude who plays Nandor on that show because he 
has an Emmy coming. His name is Kayvan Novak, and he has an Emmy coming because he has been excellent this season. Has Taika Waititi been in it at all? He has, and you'd have to watch to find out. Does he do the writing for it, or like only? I think Jermaine Clement does most of the writing for it. I think they created the show together, obviously, but I think Jermaine Clement is like actually working on the show. It's so funny. It's so good. You I do want to watch it. it. I, will, I, I will. It's awesome. And then you know what I started yesterday? Midnight Mass. Don't I gotta start? That. I won't tell you anything about it. Here's what I'll say. The problem with Blind Manor, for me at least, which and the I reason didn't I didn't watch. finish it, yeah, which you shouldn't, honestly. And the reason is because Mike Flanagan is so clearly like the quality drop off that happened when he was no longer the director of every episode is so apparent after seeing this. Like he had to have seen that and been like, I can't ever do this again. He directed all seven episodes of Midnight Mass, and thank God, it shows. He is so fucking good, dude. The long takes, the editing, it's all there. It's so good. Check it out. I'm only like two episodes deep, maybe three, and I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm literally just waiting for it to get dark out. Otherwise, I would watch like six more episodes right now. I'm probably going to finish it tonight. Um, My TV shows that I've been watching have been – I rewatched Fleabag. I rewatched Fleabag. And bug. I can now very confidently say that's one of the most incredibly written shows I've ever seen. Absolutely. Baby Wall Bridge, one of the funniest humans like a, walking a rewatch very much. I'd love to see her in a Wes that. Anderson movie, um, but she might be almost too funny. Like I watched her, the previous show she made crashing on Netflix. Very good stuff. Would highly recommend it. And this little movie she wrote called no time uh, to die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, Rewatch. I finished my Curb rewatch finally. Uh, what about Larry, anything from this year? Anything? Larry from this David's year? the King. Guys, uh, coming back in two weeks. Or is it really that soon? I think it's tomorrow. Shut the fuck up. No, it's not. If Curb, <coughs> if Curb comes back tomorrow, there's gonna be a big fat problem. Tomorrow. Oh my Dude, god! Be night Succession and then Curb. The King is back. Um. Yeah, his name's Kendall Roy. Midway through my 30 Rock rewatch, amazing show, unbelievable. What are you going to tell me? Tell the people you're watching Succession. Right now. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm, and, tired of, I'm tired of hearing it. And yes, on Tuesday, it's now Saturday, uh, I started Succession finally. Um, it's unbelievable. I'm going to watch the season one finale today or tomorrow. Let's go. And Wait, okay, it's been way too like it's been well over a year. I just want to know what you think of the bachelor party episode. The bachelor yeah, party episode was the snowball. Tom <laughs> is such a weirdo He's a freak. He's such a fucking freak. But I love him with literally yeah. all oh, of my heart. Yeah, they're amazing. They're Tom amazing. Wams, Wams Gams. Wams Gams. You gotta I mean, listen, and I'll speak to this because Alex can't yet, but uh without revealing anything, season three, y'all fucking wild like obviously it went for those of you who saw the end of season two you know it left off with that crazy cliffhanger and the payoff has been more than good like oh my god shit is getting shaken up this is probably my, one of my favorite shows running on tv right now it's the one i'm most excited to see every sunday and talk about with people and if this like this puts the for me this puts the discourse of like wandavision or even loki or any of that shit to shame like there's so much less to discuss with those shows and so much more to talk about here. This is just and, a very uh, devious show that it's devious. It's electrifying. I just can't, I can't help. Like it's such a brilliant because everyone likes watching villains and protagonists and, uh, antagonists. and they're all villains. But the thing is like, it really plays with these being deeply sympathetic characters that are also just the scum of the earth. The scum, yeah. Scummiest like, characters being in unfortunately relatable situations. Deeply. Like there's – I don't want to spoil anything, but do you remember well, – it's from season one. Like, yeah, but if people haven't watched it. Um, all right. I'm in their boat. Do you remember – It's a um, no, I'll, I'll talk about it off camera. Okay. Um, yeah, the, there was just one thing in that show yesterday that it hit me and I was like, this is an unbelievable show. Yeah, but it's yeah, a great show. I'm it's so a masterclass of acting, and it's excellently written, and it just—it's really good. If you like corporate deceit, 
And just like I said, just expert writing, good quips, good one-liners. Like, if you like Littlefinger in Game of Thrones, this is literally like it's like ten of him cloned and yeah. just like all fighting for the same shit. And it's amazing. It's really, really good. And I HBO would heavily recommend to everybody. HBO does not miss, and that's why Alex bought the Curb Kith collab. Oh. I had to flex for him, you know. Okay. All right, Al. Before we jump out of, before we jump out of here. I'm going to give one shout out to one person. You can give one to another, but um, I got to give a shout out. Alex and I have not been doing this for a long time. And at times, you know, there were more of you than others in terms of fandom, but there are a few of you who I know who have been listening to a lot of our episodes and people who really asked me like, what's going on? Where's the podcast? What, like, why isn't it coming back with, with genuine concern? Not like anger, not like, where is it? Where is it? Like more like, well, what's going like you guys doing? Okay. Like what's going on? Where's the podcast? And we just want to say we are doing fine. Alex and I are doing so well. In fact, that we are just too busy for this at times. And while we, I will say before I give the shout out, while I'll say, I cannot promise we'll be back to the weekly schedule just as of yet. Like we are aim, we are not going anywhere. We are aiming to drop episodes every, every once in a while. If we have to, um, this will not be the last you've heard of us. And if there's something coming up that you guys really want to hear our takes on, please let us know because we we do this for you and we do it for us, but we do it for you. And you, in this case, is none other than Max Garfinkel. Got to give big shouts to the boy on the podcast because he has been one of our most loyal listeners of all time. I know that for a fact because I walked in on him listening to my podcast. We talk about it. He's always like, yo, I heard you guys talking about this. And that just like there's few things, people, that like warm my heart than like more than creating something whether it be this which i'm hard-pressed to call art or anything else and having somebody tell you not only did they like experience it but that they really enjoyed it and that it does something for them and then even taking it one step further the fact that once it was gone that like was not okay for them you know what i mean so we're doing this we're here and a big part of it is thanks to max for that support so just want to give big shouts and he's not the only one who has been riding for us yeah, I also want to shout out my boy, Jay Guzman. Um, yes, he's sir. another one always asking, what's up with Yerp. the podcast? Where, where are we at on it? Um, he's a photographer uh, down in Miami. Um, that's Go my check guy. out that's shit. My guy, though. Yeah, his, his Instagram is I underscore Jay Guzman, J-A-Y-G-U-Z-M-A-N. Go buy Go some of his prints. prints. Hells yeah. Go buy the prints. Um, that's my guy. Great photographer. Um, we talk, I, Since I've been getting into film, he's kind of been he's he's my sage sometimes if need be um but yeah that's that's another one we much appreciate the support and uh yeah it's good to be back and i will say it's great to be back it feels good um i will say there i know there are more of you who listen and support us and care about the podcast and i really we really are deeply grateful for that (laughs) from the bottom of our hearts i really do want to say thank you and um we're going to be back. We're going to be doing it. Alex, before we get out of here, I got two things to ask you. One, you already know what it is because we end every podcast the same way. The second one is going to be this question as follows. In a death match, no weapons involved, no shields involved. Who is winning in a fight, Zeffirelli or Paul Atreides? This is the oh. battle of the Timothy Chalamets, and everything we've ever done comes down to this. Zeffirelli is a bit of a cornball. I mean, so is Paul. <laughs> Paul, I hate, I hate my mother. I'll like, get away from Pack me. Me the water. What the hell that was that? A, a bad impression of the voice. <laughs> I, don't they speak English in the voice, bro? What was that? <laughs> oh, you were like passing the water. I was like, that was not English, dog. I'm glad we got the sound bite of that so that you can run that back and understand what I just went through. But who, so you got Paul. Um, I have a guest appearance coming in. Uh, Steve Spiros will kill them both. Who is that? For the one person who listens, who knows who Steve Spiros is, <laughs> I don't even li- I don't even know who Steve Spiros. I'll show is. you who Steve Spiros is. It's maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen. <sighs> okay, all right, Alex. You can't tell kill people- a man with no body. Okay. <laughs> what? All right, Alex. Tell the people where they can find you. I haven't done this in so long. Um, you can find me. On Instagram at AlexPaps1, on Twitter at SamuraiPaps, and on Letterboxd at AGPerson. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at WTRPod, as well as WTRPod.com. Yes, sir. And you can find me 
at Josh Lampert, J-O-S-H-L-E-M-P-E-R-T, at, or on, I should say. I was going to say at gmail.com. That is my email, people. Um, uh, on Letterbox, on Twitter, on Instagram, everywhere. Like Alex said, check out the pod page. Not a whole lot going up on there recently, but we are aiming to get back into writing a little bit, get some good stuff on the website, and get you guys that content we know you so badly need. Al, you got anything else before we get out of here? Um... Uh, no, I don't think I do. All right. Well. Happy, uh, well, what are you going to be for Halloween? You know, I don't know. I was thinking, like, maybe someone blonde. Like, I don't know. I was like, I, I don't get to do this often. So I was like, maybe someone blonde. I was like, I could go easy with them. Maybe do like a, uh, like, uh, like an MGK type thing. A oh bunch my of fake God, tattoos. Yes. Please be MGK. Wait, but I don't want to do that because, like, I don't have a hot Megan Fox to go with me. <laughs> you should be like, be like a trashy MGK and call yourself like. There, okay, that's the most redundant statement on or the planet. Or maybe like no submachine gun. Not trashy. Power. How does that? What does that mean? Like, do like a spin on it. Like, make it so that you're like clearly making fun of him. It, well, okay, I will say this actually. Not that I ride for MGK or anything, but I did see a really, really wholesome, sweet video of him the other day, where some girl, some like young fan, was like brought on stage but because she had this sign that basically said like i brought this sign to one of your other shows and it got at a festival and it got torn up like people ripped it up and so <laughs> he was like <laughs> which kind of bugged but he on stage and he was like well you see like that was a pretty fucked situation but like it led you to here so you know we just got to keep moving and then he was like i saw you singing the words to this song like you want to do it with me and he like handed her the mic and they were singing this song and people in the comments were like yo he just created a core memory for this girl and like it's hundred percent true. Like that, like that's ten minutes of his life that maybe he will, maybe he won't forget. But like to that little girl, that is her whole fucking life right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, as much as I don't really fuck with MGK's music, like he is a dad, and it seems like he's good with his daughter, and he's like good with the kids, and he's respectful of his fans, and he's living his best life. And I honestly, I can't hate. All right. No, it's valid. Except- it's funny because I have no like real beef with. I literally MGK. could not name a single song that MGK has dropped in the last fucking ten years. But wow, boy. is that in the last ten years? I don't even know if that's an MGK song. It is. It is. I'm exactly like, Wild Boy. On it. That's a great song. I know that song, Wild Boy, and I know that song, Invincible. You know that one? No. That's okay. It used to get me really hyped in like middle school to play basketball. I was like. Josh had you know those those TikToks and then we'll we'll finish where it's like it's about drive it's about no 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 where it's like on me in seventh grade waiting for the bus and it's like oh yeah hardcore Lil Wayne song yeah 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 yeah. it's Josh waiting for the bus and it's him listening to Bob and MGK (laughs) the podcast will never come back now. All right, people, that's going to be enough for us today. Enjoy the rest of your weeks. I hope we made your Monday a little bit better, and we'll hope to see you soon. Go see Dune. Let the spice flow. Shout out Wes Anderson. Peace. It's as packed as New York Times Square.